This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, of course, is Mr. Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Now, admittedly, this episode is going to be without the original intro where I accidentally just said that Jesse's handle was at fantasy underscore mansion. I have these debates and arguments that I recently had with Matt Kelly on my brain, Jesse. So I apologize I very clearly know who you are, and so do these listeners. I, you know, at least you didn't use at fantasy underscore fatness. Um, that would be, yeah, that that would be kind of a, an interesting hybrid between uh, Matt and myself. Yeah, you could have a, a nice blend of the two built into one. I didn't think about that. It would have if if I would have gone far enough to say the full name, I probably would have said that. That's that's the headspace I'm in right now. As you noted, I've probably been doing too many podcasts and videos of late. But the one the one good thing that came from that, Jesse, is that because I've been doing that, I've been somewhat out of the loop on what's happening in the card world. And as you've alluded to me, I, I've missed a lot. I'm the guy that was cryogenically frozen for like 80 years and then thawed out. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? What did I miss? And you're like, buddy, you missed a lot, right? Uh, fortunately, uh it's going to be interesting to see some of your raw reactions when I tell you some of these stories and some, especially some of the details um, in the scandal. So uh, just kind of peeling the curtain back for, for our audience. I titled this, this segment of our show sheet, I woke up feeling scandalous. Um, and I, it couldn't have been more apropos for, for what we have, for what we have on the show sheet. So um, first First topic that I thought would be worthwhile at least discussing because it, it you know non card people were discussing this like your your you know sixty year old Uncle Joe who hasn't been collecting since nineteen seventy five uh, has been discussing a story of this magnitude is uh, the Logan Paul three point two million dollar um, Pokemon debacle slash scandal. Um, so the reason we didn't we didn't approach this on the last show is just because there were still some details that were being worked out in terms of, you know, the the uh, people who were uh, rightfully deserving of getting their money back um, in the in the scandal. So, for anybody who doesn't know, for for whatever reason, um, there was a, a sealed an alleged seal original box of. Um, I believe it was 1996 Pokemon, uh, a, a, a sealed case of uh, 96 Pokemon cards. Um, it's it's a big deal to find a case of that magnitude. Um, that's like a true. I I don't I don't collect gaming cards or Pokemon or Magic the Gathering or whatever whatever. But this is this is like the 52 tops Mickey Mantle PSA 10 version of sealed wax. Um, in in the gaming world, 
So um, just because, so, like, you know, there were a lot of cards produced back then, but all of them were ripped. Like, it, it, this, it's just, it's, like, these sealed cases don't exist. So um, the, the headline that initially um, was evident was that Logan Paul, a, a notorious content creator, um, uh, Instagrammer, TikToker, he purchased this box of sealed 90, 96 Pokemon cards, a, a case of it, for $3.2 million from a collector by the Instagram handle of Shine150, I believe. Um, we've mentioned Shine's collection before. That dude is, uh, it, he has like a Nat Turner level kind of uh, collection. It's just, you know, he can kind of pick up and, and get whatever he so pleases. So that was a, that was a big deal. That's a, that's a lot of money for any type of card, um, for any cards, for any sealed wax. Um, that was that was uh, a, a big deal. Um, a couple reports came out thereafter that you know, like these uh, people, people were there were some people that were skeptical, especially like Pokemon experts, um, saying like, you know, there's, are you, you know, are you sure you, you have like the right thing um just because like these like i said these boxes they just don't exist because of how much was ripped um and through and you know when you're talking in the millions of dollars that's 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 a shitload of money um for for anything card related um and then uh so all right so going back to when the box the the box of cards was authenticated uh, by baseball card exchange um, they specialize in authenticating sealed wax um, and it's you know it's it's really tough to authenticate a big brown box with a sticker on it that says sealed 1996 Pokemon case or Pokemon original case um, and you know that, but at the same time it is part of their job and um, it's 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 a tough it's a tough market to be in it's a tough job to be in but they 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 deemed it authentic so they deemed it as an authentic box and um, there were some stories that came out from one of the individuals that sold it to another individual who then sold it to Shine and then sold it to to Logan um, so there were in, some inconsistencies in the story of how they came about the box the nature of the box. Um, to the point where a lot of people were speculating that uh, what's what's inside is potentially potentially fake. It's it's potentially fake cards or something different altogether. So what Logan Paul did was um, he flew he uh, shine. They flew uh, back to uh, baseball card exchange to actually you know make sure that the bo that the box was authentic. Um, and the only way to do that is to open the box uh, to actually see what's inside. This, for, for anybody who collects sealed wax, as soon as you open a case of something, uh, usually that, that depreciates the wax significantly. So from, from what I heard was uh, this, this, this case that was worth you know, $3.2 million, as soon as you open it, you can knock off $750,000 off the price tag. So that's that's a big hit as soon as you open a box like that. Um, they were pleasantly surprised to find that uh, the the boxes inside of this big brown box were were uh, you know 1996 Pokemon um, sealed boxes. However, the the um, the cellophane seal 
was it, it was like a it was it was weird it, like it, it wasn't like you would see on like a typical sealed box of wax it was it was a little too bubbly um for it to be like you know fully sealed so at this point there you know everybody's kind of um if you watch the video on uh i believe it's on uh logan paul's instagram and, and a couple of and maybe youtube um you can see the video of their of their reaction but you know they they started getting a little a little dubious of the authenticity of the boxes so they open the boxes and it turns out that um there are no pokemon cards inside uh it is filled with uh gi joe cards instead <laughs> so logan paul just paid over three million dollars for for a, bo a case full of gi joe cards I, there's so many there's so many questions about how to resolve an issue like this in the future. I mean, this is a fear for a lot of people. I mean, this is such a huge purchase amount, $3.5 million. You know, I'm sure, I'm assuming most people listening to this show don't have the purchasing power to buy something for $3.5 million. Maybe you do, but this could be the same for any of us buying stuff online, eBay or whatever. Even if it's a pack of cards, an old pack of cards, or we've bought boxes of wax before and you know, you could potentially get scammed that way too. I was looking at an article after you told me this was on the show sheet and there's a guy, he's a YouTube star too, I think, or a Twitch star. And I didn't know who he was, but I guess his name is uh, Dennis Richardson. He goes by Pay Money Wooby. Does that sound right? Uh, I, I don't think I'm, I'm familiar with that individual. No. And I might be saying it wrong. This guy is basically saying that Logan Paul is an idiot and if he really didn't want to get screwed over on this box, he could have weighed the box because G.I. Joe cards weigh a lot less than Pokemon cards. I wouldn't even know this. Is that is that even a tactic that people use? And how would you even validate the weight of the box? I'm sure. Um, I'm sure there. you'd be surprised with, with the depths that, um, not quite collectors, but just uh, sometimes collectors and, and other people who collect uh, sealed wax, like the... the the depths that they'll go to to make sure that something is authentic. I could see something like like that being an option. But what if what if there were Pokemon cards inside? What if there were um, new like basic newer Pokemon cards that were inside, like from you know two thousand or later? So I, I I don't know if there's a weight difference between ninety six and and the two thousands. The the weight difference between those cards. I'm I'm assuming it's it's nothing. Or very negligible to the point where you, you you won't notice it when it's weighed. Um, it just seems like it. I don't know. It like there, I can't really say that there's a big loser in this story. Um, but before like we even kind of go down that that rabbit hole, um, it just I I just kind of get the sense that they're they're just this 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 three million dollar can three point two million dollar can kept getting kicked down the road just as a flex. Like for for one collector, one investor to flex over another. Um, that's I I I know that Logan is a genuine Pokemon collector. Like I I I think his I I think his intentions are good. Um, but when you buy a box like this, which is you know more likely than not probably fraudulent, um, it, it seems like that there was a flex going on between you know him and Shine and. Uh, you know, not not saying anything uh, too bad against Shine, but I don't I don't think he's really a big gaming card guy. Um, if you see the 
the amount of insane basketball grails that he has left and right on his page. Like, I, I he just bought it just to, like, you know, for some clout as well, and then to um to I'm obviously profit on it a little bit because he ended up buying it from uh Card Kahuna and uh, Mealy Pop Shop uh, for like two point seven million dollars, and he f- he basically flips it on to the next guy for three point two. So you know he he made some money out of this. Um, the reason why I'm saying that nobody nobody lost except for maybe the people that were like really early on in on this box is because everyone's getting their money back. So Logan, if anything, he won. He probably won new followers. He probably won followers that would would have never stumbled onto his page because, like I said, there's you know family members at dinner tables probably like approached people who do collect cards and they're like, oh, do you hear about this Pokemon thing with that Logan Paul guy? Um, and there's there's probably been more more views on his on his YouTube channel, more followers on Instagram, um, than like he could have hoped for as a result of this. So if anything, he came back a winner and he got his money back. That I mean, yeah, huge huge winner, right? This is for him. You know, obviously he could afford it. He was willing to engage in this transaction, and yeah, this is a massive win. He's yeah, he's being recognized in the card market by people that maybe didn't even know that he had an interest in the card market and his YouTube channel probably like you said, we could look up the numbers. Probably got so many views on the video that he posted or videos that he posted as a reaction. The amount of YouTube revenue that he probably generated just off of the views of his response was probably enormous after as you've said everybody got their money back. Yeah, and uh, it's not just him. Shine got his money back from from Mealy Pops, and that's that's a that's a big fucking chunk of change over two million dollars. So, um, I I don't think like I think from from the standpoint of Logan Shine Mealy Pops, none of them knew that this was fraudulent or 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 a fake box of cards when when each of them. You know, when it was their turn to buy, basically. Um, and I, I don't think that that's the reason why they sold. I just think it, if this was real, this is probably one of the most sought after sought after pieces to have in like card history, maybe if it, if it is legitimate. Um, so I, I, I don't think any of their intentions were bad. Um, like I said, Shine, like Shine got his money back. Uh, I hope Mealy Pops get gets their money back um that i'm sure i've mentioned them on the show before they're a very uh pleasant and um uh you know excellent hobby shop located in i think gainesville florida i've gotten stuff from them before i've interacted with them before um they're they're good people i i don't i don't think that they had any bad intentions it, it was just unfortunate that they were kind of you know along the line of of people that had this box passed on to them essentially so, um, there, you know, there, there might be somebody down the road that is, is probably going to be hot, fined heavily, if not face some potential jail time. Um, I've, I've been hearing and seeing some reports about the other individual I mentioned, Card Kahuna, um, where, you know, his story didn't quite line up in terms of, um, you know, uh, him raising questions of authenticity based off of the discrepancies in his story of how the box came about. Um, so he might be in trouble, so he might be the big loser, but I think everyone else, as long as they get their money, which they inevitably will, um, I, I, I think everyone else is going to be fine. Now, 
we're talking about everybody getting their money and everything being settled and everything being fine. But we had another thing that took place here in the last week. And I actually caught the video clip of this because it was so cringeworthy and it was on my timeline in so many places. I couldn't ignore it. But what's the backstory about these two breakers that pulled a Trevor Lawrence gold kaboom out of a pack that they claimed they were going to give away to one of the viewers live on the show, right? So uh, back the breaking uh, group, Backyard Breakers on Instagram and prob- probably t- I think they're on Twitter too. Um, they, uh, they're, they're a very well-known, uh, uh, you know, newer breaker that came into the hobby within the last couple of years. Um, if you watch their videos online, uh, I'm sorry for you because that it's just, it's a lot of yelling. It's a lot of like dudes being half naked on there and acting like jackasses. Um, so I, I wouldn't go out of my way to, to, to watch any of their previous breaks and just yell incessantly. Um, but uh, this video might be might be worth watching. If you just type in, you could type it in on YouTube or go on um, Card Porn's page on Instagram to find the footage of, and it's like a seven or eight minute clip of them pulling this Trevor Lawrence gold kaboom out of 10 out of, uh, I, I forget if it was a hanger or it was some some box of 2021 absolute. Um, that's, that's fucking nuts. Um, so the box was I think they were just doing a free break of you know a couple different boxes for for their members um so as soon as they pull a card they start losing their minds they're like oh my god this is this is it it goes from like you know they're they're just making up prices at this point just because there's there's no sales history of the card so they they could say it's a million dollars and you can react the same way um, you know, the, the value of the card over the course of the video went from $10,000 to over 25 grand. Um, and I don't know if there was actually a person who was supposed to be dealt the card, who like the card belonged to, or the, who the box or the team in the break belonged to. Um, there's been uh, one or two people who have been claiming that it's theirs who are legitimate members of the site, um, but who knows if it's actually theirs. But all I know is that it did belong to somebody who was participating in and viewing the break. Um, it did not belong to them. It's a it's a weird well it's a weird thing because this was just going to be a free giveaway, right? And they do this it sounds like routinely. And by the way, you guys, you really have to go look this up because. As Jesse mentioned, and I don't even think Jesse could do it justice explaining it, but these guys are some of the most bro-ish, like testosterone-fueled individuals you'll ever see. The one guy's got a half a shirt on, and it's just, it's must-see TV. I will say, it is must-see TV. It's, if if this scandal didn't happen, you still wouldn't, you wouldn't want to watch this. It's it's so, <laughs> so cringe. Like, dude, I, I'm sorry, dude. When I see your nipple line, like when your shirt is like yeah, barely yeah. covering your nipple line, I, I don't really want to tune in. And I can't imagine other people that really want to, to if there wasn't free stuff, um, even for then. But uh, so all of a sudden they, they pull the card and they're saying, uh, they're saying, you know what, like it, this this card is just too expensive. Like you guys can hate on us, but it really, like, I'm sorry, this came out of a free box. Like we can't give it away to one of our, one of our subscribers. It's, it's really not fair. Like they, they literally openly say it's not like, it's not fair giving it away. Um, 
I think maybe initially they were talking about, oh, yeah, the person that got the the uh, shittiest box or the shittiest product should probably get this card. And, and then his friend is like, you know what? That's not even fair. Even even that's not fair. Um, so I, I don't know if they were going to imply of what they were planning on doing with the card. Um, what eventually they they came out either that same night or the next day when this clip went absolutely viral on hobby twitter and hobby instagram um that they were all of a sudden gonna donate twenty thousand dollars to charity um which that makes that makes this okay how like if if anything it's it's worthwhile for them to donate to to donate like tens of thousands of dollars to charity because they can essentially write it off for taxes for the 20 for 2022 tax season so they they were very sneaky with how to you know try to make this right when in fact they weren't it was going to help them no matter what um instead of like what they what they probably should have done if they really wanted the card and they could afford it too. Like I know they're saying $20,000 is a lot of money, but with the amount that they've profited since they've started breaking, they're fine. They can, they can afford to, to pay one of their members $20,000 for this card. They probably, they should have just done that. They should have, they should have ended the video uh, whenever their, their box breaks ended, reached out to the, whoever, whoever was actually going to win that card and just say, listen, I will offer you 20 grand for this card. If you, if you're cool with us keeping, keeping it, if not, that's fine. We'll ship it out to you. So those guys too, and if you watch the clip, and I might be forgetting the number, but they were telling everybody, hey, if you want a chance to win what's in one of these boxes, you know, sign up or go jump into whatever the chat was or whatever they had going. And they kept referencing how many people were entering that that potential like random group. And weren't they saying there was as many as like 17,000 people in there or 12,000 people. It was a ridiculously Jesus. high number. I might be misremembering wow. this, and I'm sure somebody on Twitter will point this out, but I'm pretty sure they kept citing thousands and thousands of people were now in this room for this potential thing. So when you cite that these guys could afford it, I think that that's very true. It was just the case where they were as shocked as probably the viewers when they pulled this card that has immense immediate value, even with Trevor Lawrence not playing especially well as a rookie, the upside of it is, uh, who knows, if Lawrence hits his trajectory, that card has incredible value. Because I believe they had just looked up maybe a Joe Burrow on that episode, and I think they cited that it had gone for a lot, right? They were looking, they were uh, actively trying to look out for comps, Um when they were on the live stream. And I, I think they, I, I can't remember who they mentioned, Trey Lance or somebody like Trey Lance did like over five grand um, with, with the amount of production that he had in 2021. So um, can you imagine like what would have happened? Like what their brand if for, you know, we're, we're talking about what, what kind of tool bags that, that they've been on, on their breaks. Um, but can you imagine how good of a look it would have been if they just did the right thing? and gave the card away to one of their to one of their subscribers or one of the one of their members one of the people that signed like signed up for you know all that they do um they'd be getting so much so much good hobby attention just from doing the right thing to the point where twenty thousand dollars at the end of the day is going to be nothing compared to the amount of business that they're going to gain from this being for, from them doing the right thing so i I mean that's that's one way to get to like knock yourself out of the hobby. The the platforms that they 
broke on also. Like, I think they did breaks on whatnot and maybe maybe another platform or two. Like, whatnot banned them immediately after after seeing after seeing the video. And it was it was like I don't know how Nate. I don't know if you were paying attention to their Twitter account after after they came out saying that they were going to donate twenty thousand dollars to the Boys and Girls Club of America in uh, in Boca Raton, Florida. And they just get, they kept copy and pasting the same response over and over and over and over again to all of the people that are questioning the legitimacy of what they're trying to do. Like they're they're basically saying like it it was just, it was crazy. Like if you go down their tweets and replies column in Twitter, you'll see like the same exact thing copy and pasted over like over a hundred times for people who have legitimate questions about you know them them like trying to basically profit off of this um and trying to keep the card for themselves so uh it's it's just it's not it's not a good look all around like i'm sure people just got bitter with breakers altogether after this and there are legitimate breakers out there um it's just unfair that that you know other other legitimate breakers have to be looped into something like this where it was just a couple of assholes that wanted to make a quick buck I had read uh, in one of the Instagram posts about this. Somebody said that they would have preferred to have seen these guys have an exemption beforehand. Like if I pull a gold kaboom, we'll send you an equivalent dollar value or we'll send you $5,000 if it's whatever versus what happened. Like as as somebody that's you know entrenched in this, this card world, would that have been better for you? Or would you still be like, look, I, whatever's in the box should go to whoever irrespective of like what the peak value of the card is i would want to have the option because um if if i'm if i'm looking to collect somebody right if i'm looking to collect a rookie a particular rookie from 2021 like let's say i want to be a trey lance collector right i no matter no matter the value discrepancy between lance and lawrence I would have rather it have been a, a Trey Lance green one of one or a gold out of 10. Um, I'd rather be given the option of either cash altogether. Um, breakers uh, tend to have a really good quality supply um, of wax, like not just wax altogether, but they they tend to get like some pretty hot cards occasionally in their breaks like you'll see break videos shared all the time even cardboard uh shares awesome pulls from breakers um so like you could have you, you could have ha- like come in with this with the with the um clause of like oh we can you know we can we can work with you if you just want cash for this if you want break credit like five thousand ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars worth of break credit so you basically never have to pay for a break again um so that i mean that's going to certainly help their brand too um yeah there, there should be a stipend for something like that like if they hit a ridiculous one of one um they should they should give the person who won or who they designate won that card they should give them that option when it like just kind of as like a blanket statement for whatever they hit, whatever box they're breaking. Um, I, I think that's that's you're you're doing yourself a favor as a breaker if you give if you give your clientele that option. Yeah, I think you lay it all out. And this may be what changes the breaking world for forever. This this potential that, hey, a lot of people are a little concerned now. I can't 
necessarily be 100% sure that anybody is going to give me what comes out of these packs. We have people taking stuff off screen. We've had these scammer guys that are like, oh, the pack, it's weird. It's not opening right. And they pull it off screen, suddenly comes back. And he's like, oh, sorry, guys, this, this case hit isn't what I thought it was going to be. We're missing an auto in this pack. Or we're missing, you know, like all this shady shit that happens. Like that's one of the hardest things about online purchasing. And this goes for lots of versions of commerce. But in the card world, where you're trusting somebody and there's a lot of good breakers out there that are very trustworthy and very honest and would have just immediately said, God damn, I wish this card was mine. So-and-so it's going to you. But all, the other thing is you have to pick the person that's designated to be the winner right off the bat. That way you're committed too. you go, look, this is going to Johnny B 127. Johnny, you know, email me, reach out. We'll get your information. It's live. It's public. But I also heard and I don't know what the end game is here, and I might be speculating. I heard that they said they did give the card to somebody in the chat, but in this Instagram post, there's speculation about the validity of it and it possibly actually being like one of their friends that entered the chat or it only had an account for like a day. It was some weird, dig deeper on the story. There's some shady shit going on with it. And again, I wouldn't be surprised those guys willing to do what they did um, but they look like young guys. It looks like a mistake. It looks like it was the first time it probably ever happened to them. And to your point, what what crazy content would that have been for guys that can afford it to have taken a video camera, flown out, brought the card, sealed, whatever, in a top loader, you know, in a in a one touch, brought it out to the guy, been like, man, this is one of the luckiest breaks we've ever had. Shot the video, little reaction. A lot of opportunity there to do the right thing and create better content with it. But this is this is the hurdles. This is people get to make choices. I don't think this is the end of the story either. Like there might even be updates when this episode is actually released um, in terms of uh, hopefully there's no like, you know, there's no lawsuit pending. Although like I like I don't know what kind I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what kind of case there is right now for a break that was free. Um, but I I would prefer if what the right actions just took place like just just do the right thing all around everybody um even people that are claiming that the card should have been theirs like there's one guy by the name of, of gavin who I, I think it's i honestly on twitter i'm pretty sure it's just a burner account he's basically claiming that the card was his like don't even dude don't even fuck around with that like just it's not it's not worth it it's if you think you're being funny it's not um and just for for their sake, I, I understand. OK, I understand twenty thousand dollars might be it's it's a lot of money for anybody, especially for for uh, someone of their age. So um, I just in the end, I just hope the right thing is done. Um, I, I hope that the card is legitimately uh, I, I hope, I hope whoever they give it to is a legitimate individual and not just somebody who just kind of, like you said, like it's like, they're a friend of the group. So they're all just kind of, you know, they're all kind of in cahoots together. Um, I haven't heard about that though. And I'm sure, I'm sure our audience will do a little bit more digging too. Um, if anything, some, some updates might come up via card porn. Um, that'll be pretty, pretty, uh, headline worthy in the hobby. So you know, it's it's kind of wait and see right now, but it, it's not really a good look for for breakers altogether, and it's especially for these guys. I, I've I've had this happen in my own life, Jesse. I've been with friends, who've been playing basketball, getting done with the game, got the ball at half court. I'm like, dude, hundred bucks if you make it from here. 
Throws up the luckiest-ass shot you've ever seen. Ricochets off the backboard, hits the front part of the inside of the rim and goes in. And he's like, where's my hundred bucks? I'm like, whoa, 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 easy. I'm like, easy. How about I just buy you lunch or something? Let's. <laughs> this is. I did not expect that to go in. All right, so you've also mentioned Mark's cards, and you're referring to it as the Italian job. What is this about? Yes, the Mark's cards, Italian job, where they stole a lot of people's money. So... Um, Mark's Cards is a uh, uh, an online, and I think they have a physical location too, card shop in California. Um, they're actually a uh, they're a longtime PSA customer. They're a certified PSA submitter um, as well. So how how I heard about this story? So let me let me just kind of I'll, I'll I'll go into how I found out about this because the, it wasn't it wasn't apparent until later on when. When Card Collector 2 became involved and he posted his side. So I actually heard about this through one of the parties that it affected, as opposed to Mark's cards himself directly or or even card porn. So um, it started out with uh, Ryan, um, Ryan Johnson, Card Collector 2 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, he has a very you know, one of the most famous uh, hobby shops in the country, um, just outside of Columbus, Ohio. Um, shout out if you guys haven't been there. It's a, it's a really cool shop. Um, he came out and was fully transparent, said, listen, uh, between late 2020 and early 2021, um, I was offering my customers a, a bulk sub, a PSA submission service. Um, the, uh, the only thing that was kind of the downside here is that he wasn't transparent with how he was going about it. Um, but, uh, so what he, what, what, what card collector choose, um, bulk grading service to PSA, what it entailed was he would take these bulk submissions, um, charge people a little bit of a discount compared to if they just submitted the cards themselves to PSA via bulker economy. Um, and he would use, uh, Mark's cards who is based out of California, very close to PSA's headquarters, as a middleman. So he was actually taking submissions on his end um, from his customers and his clientele, shipping them to Mark's cards, and Mark's cards would then drop them off to PSA's headquarters um, in order to, it's just better turnaround times. It's actually like theoretically safer that way, just because you don't have to worry about any funny business between, you know, God forbid a delivery driver understands and knows what's in the box. Um, that's addressed to PSA and understands what PSA is and sees how, how much money could potentially be in the package that he's about to deliver. Um, it's, it's a little safer to just have somebody drop it off to the headquarters themselves, which is an option if you're, if you're located around PSA's, PSA's headquarters. Um, so he was using Mark's cards as kind of a, a middleman, um, uh, due to the fact that he has the, he's a certified PSA sub, uh, sub service. Um, so he gets like really cheap pricing to submit to PSA. So that, that helps, um, that helps people like card collector too, in terms of the amount that they're charging for each card for their customers. Um, it, so it helps with, uh, keeping prices down for his customers. Um, it helps with the turnaround time. Theoretically, uh, I, I know the, the cards, they're not, if, especially if it's economy, they're not going to, 
they're not going to be graded so quickly, but at least in terms of the timing for them to physically come back into collector's hands, it will be quicker because you're just you're essentially shipping these cards to the middleman who is then walking them over to PSA's headquarters. The downside to this, um, which some some could argue, and I, I could understand the argument that this isn't a downside, but this is kind of where it all went. It, it, it all went to shit here. So Mar Mark's card's policy is um, he charges the collectors uh, first and foremost before the cards even get into PSA's headquarters. So he, he charges them on the front end. Um, it's understandable for there, there are submission services that do this where they charge you on the front end and not the back end after the cards are graded, um, just to kind of cover yourself and in, in case like, you know, there's, uh, there's people who have cold feet in terms of what the, the quality of cards that they submitted and they don't want to pay afterwards that that's happened before. Um, and that screws a lot of people over, including the, the suburb, the sub service themselves. So. Uh, Marks charges his customers beforehand. Um, whereas, uh, what's what's interesting about that model is that if you submit, if you ever submitted cards to PSA yourself, they don't charge you until they grade the cards and until they're getting ready to ship them back to you. Once they ship them back, to, once once you pay after they're graded, then they'll ship them back to you. So, um, it. You know, Mark, in 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 this business model, Marks like someone like Marks Cards is essentially protecting himself from uh, the risk that there is a collector um, or person who uses his service to submit that in in case that they don't end up paying. So he just charges them on the front end. So he was getting so Marks Cards was getting a very steady cash flow when PSA was open, and all of a sudden PSA shuts down in March of 2021. So that cash flow, it comes to a halt. Um, he, had, he had so much money tied up um, with people who were looking to submit through him as a middleman. Uh, and all, all, all of a sudden, it just goes dry. Um, PSA was in the process of grading the cards, or they did grade a majority of the cards uh, through somebody like Card Collector 2, who, who used Mark's, Mark's cards as a middleman. Um, and PSA wants their money. PSA is like, all right, well, you know, we want our, uh, get, get this number, get this number. PSA was looking for a million dollars for Mark's cards, a million dollars. Um, Card Collector 2's portion of this submission um of this like you know total bill that PSA was requiring Mark's cards to pay uh card collector 2's clients accounted for like 100 a little over $120,000 worth of that 1 million dollars so PSA is looking for Mark's cards for the money Mark's card says listen I'm I'm broke I'm bankrupt I can't I can't uh pay up I can't so base so PSA what is, PSA has no other choice but to hold the cards captive because they need the money so the question, so this kind of begs the question: What the fuck happened with the money? What the fuck happened with the million dollars that Mark's cards had? So there's a lot of speculation there. I can't say for certain one thing or another. Um, I don't know if it was used for like different investment ventures. If he was trying to build up his own hobby shop in California, and all of a sudden the bill comes from PSA, and maybe over the course of PSA being close, he was looking to buy time to to build up that income back and he couldn't. So 
now there are you know roughly a million dollars worth of of cards stuck at PSA's headquarters because um, somebody like Mark's Cards isn't able to pay up. So, uh, kind of a, a quick shout out to to Ryan Card Collector too, who did what I don't I don't even know if any other any other uh, uh, you know people involved in this situation would have done. So. He initially paid Mark's cards a little over $120,000 to get the cards graded. Um, he kind of knew, uh, like, he, ha- he had an idea around, like, December of 2021 that um, there's there's something else going on. There's something going on at PSA because when it, whenever he checks his customers, uh, like, status of where their cards are in grading, it just error messages pop up through PSA's website. So he flies directly t- to PSA, um, tries to... Uh, you know, sits down with like higher people there and, you know, finally has an understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. So in order to, uh, you know, save his customers uh, cards to save their money, he pays $120,000 out of pocket to PSA to get the cards out, which is very, that's super honorable and impressive to have that caliber of money readily available. Um, but you had, dude, he had to fucking break the bank for that, I'm sure. Um, no, regardless of how successful his, his shop is. So I, it sounds like if, if, uh, if any of, you know, if any of our listeners, if just anybody who, who submitted cards uh, to PSA through Card Collector 2, I think you guys are going to be totally safe. Um, but for, for anybody who used Mark's, Mark's cards directly, or used a another group sub that was close by to you, who then used Mark's cards also as a middleman, just like Card Collector too. Um, I would definitely get in touch with the appropriate parties that need to be. I mean, they need to be contacted, including PSA, um, about where to go from here. Um, it's it's a very it's like this is about worst case scenario for a group submission service in terms of. You have this this certified group subber who is all of a sudden who's in charge of your cards. He's, the, he's responsible for your cards and getting them back to you. And they're saying that yeah, they can't they can't pay PSA because they don't have the money. So it's just it's it's probably one of the one of the more um, unfortunate and biggest like implication uh, crises like we could probably ever really see in the hobby. I'm reading on blowout forums a comment from a guy, and I'm assuming that this is a valid comment, but he goes, you would think that since Mark's Cards is still advertised on the PSA dealer directory as an authorized PSA dealer slash submitter, that PSA would have some joint liability in some form of a lawsuit, you know, class action, since they basically gave this dealer its blessing and in effect induced collectors to use them. It is an interesting point that if, they had him as like an approved submitter. And again, they can't, his actions don't reflect PSA whatsoever, but it is interesting that just to illustrate your point, this guy was very much considered like a rock solid option for people to take this Avenue. Definitely. I think uh, the reason why, like we kind of already laid out the reasons why there are um, like hobby shops around the country who would use his services, even though he's a middleman is for for pricing uh for advantages with pricing and for the cards getting there safely and safely back to you in a more reasonable amount of time um so uh, it's 
I think P. I, I think I think um, that comment definitely has validity. Um, the 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 blowout comment that you just mentioned. Um, PSA has actually come out. If if you should definitely if if this affects you whatsoever, definitely go on the either PSA's Twitter page or their Instagram page because they have specific instructions of you getting into contact with them if you used Mark's cards or if you use a submission service who also used Mark's cards um, to get your cards over to PSA. Um, I think PSA will take this on a case-by-case basis, but their their ultimate goal is to get the cards back to you in hand. I don't know if that means that those cards are going to be graded. I don't even know if they're graded right now. Um there's there there's a good chance that a lot of that you know one million dollars worth of cards that a lot of them are raw. So I don't know if that means PSA is going to ship you back raw cards, but um, they're doing. I mean, they're kind of stepping in and doing the right thing here in terms of trying to get uh, these cards back into into collectors' hands. Listen, like I I know Mark's Mark's cards is lawyered up. He um I I don't think he's re- he really wants to talk to. It anybody right now and give concrete answers um without his attorneys being present um interestingly enough i i don't know if if anyone on here listens to the sports card sports card nonsense podcast um but uh they i I don't know what made them do this they uh they called mark's cards like the the day of or the day after this 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 like you know this whole situation went viral they they just called him and neither neither of the hosts on that show have ever talked to to Mark's cards, and he picks up, and it's it's a clip worthwhile listening to. I think it's it's if it's not on the sports cards nonsense page, you could find it on card porn as well. Um, and they have like a five or seven minute conversation about you know they're they're trying to get as much out of him as possible, and they're like, well, they're acknowledging to him like openly, they're like, you know, you're kind of public enemy number one in the hobby right now um, because this is this it's not you know. This isn't fair to people that use that they trusted you with with their cards, um, and it was he, he gave a lot of non answers. He was very cool in the interview, um, but the, he's either very, very uh, smooth or very sly and stupid um, for even picking up that phone call. But um, yeah, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of implications that 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 come out of this and. Um, there have been people that are like begging the question after why even use a group submitter, um, and it, 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 I mean, truth be told, it came at a time when there was an advantage to use a group submitter. I don't, I don't know how many advantages there are anymore, unless if the pricing is just it's significant between you submitting yourself and through a, and through a group. Um, but yeah, at the time, it made total sense. Like if if it costs you you know 10 bucks a card or something as opposed to paying 20 yourself on psa's website why why wouldn't you do it um that's that's a lot of money especially if you have hundreds of cards going like tens to hundreds of cards going out so um just just unfortunate situation all around and and hopefully at the very least everyone gets their their cards and and their money back this is like we're playing like bingo right now, Jesse. I mean, we hit the uh, we hit the wax product sellers that are fraudulently selling stuff. We hit the breakers that are, you know, fraudulently doing business on there. We're hitting group submitters that are fraudulently doing things. It, 
You're making it feel like it's it's very dark out there, even though it's not, and I don't want to make it feel like that at all. This just happens to be some of the biggest hobby news that there is, and it's really interesting. I don't know as much about the wax seller, but when we talk about the group breaker and when we talk about the, the two guys that do the breaks, they're actually very large individuals in the hobby. So to see it sort of coming from that group is a very interesting location because typically you would expect it to be a much lower tier person, somebody that's not as solidified and has potentially as much to lose by doing something scandalous like this, Jesse. But let's give some people some positivity. Let's give them something actionable that's not news. And I know people really liked what you've been doing with your set of the week or some of the cards that you've been identifying or packs. What do you have this week for people? So um, I had like, like you said, Nate, I had a lot of good, um, a lot of good feedback from from the last episode when we gave uh, 2018 and 2019 Panini unparalleled, um, when we gave that that product a shout out. So I think we're we might you know stick to this uh, segment moving forward every every uh, episode we release and just kind of shouting out um, a set that. Uh, might not be super appreciated and not not just for investment purposes but just if you're if you're a true if you're a true collector and you're a true fan of the hobby and you're a true fan of cards like this just kind of i just kind of want to get the creative juices flowing for us for for our listeners and and maybe have them find out a couple products that they never even heard of before or maybe maybe products that they that are way more affordable or way more sought after, or should be way more sought after than than they currently are. So, so I really like this like set of the week uh, segment. So, um, for this week, I wanted to give a shout, and I I didn't find up really out about this set until probably in the last five or six months or so. Um, it's the 1997 and 1999 Donruss Preferred Football Hobby Box. Um, it's you know if you hear Donruss right now like you're thinking like oh just overpriced as soon as it comes out and then the prices plummet as soon as you know as soon as the other flagship products come out like like uh like Prism or Select or Mosaic or Optic, um, but this for uh for especially for the '90s I know like Donruss is kind of it, even for then it was kind of a lower end set but this is this was a hobby only product, um back in back in uh the mid to late 90s when you know the creativity in cards was at like an all-time high back then um and it it wasn't the cheapest product to rip back then uh it, like in the in the 90s early 2000s but the the price the price of the product alone has been like pretty steady if not if if not dropped a little bit um in recent years so like i said it's it's a hobby it's a hobby exclusive box um each box for i'm not sure about 99 but in 97 um nate i don't know if you have memories of this going into like target or walmart or whatever like if you'd buy a packs if you buy like packs or like a box as a kid there used to be products that were um uh, packaged in tin boxes, like sealed tin boxes, and that's exactly like the case with this. So every hobby box is a is a, a sealed tin box, which I thought was just kind of kind of interesting, and that like screams '90s cards to me. Um, so each box has 24 packs. Um, there there are some interesting uh, inserts, uh, a cup, you know, some interesting parallels that that look really cool. Like there's even um, to parallels to the base set, there's like silver, uh, gold, platinum parallels that look that look really cool. But the reason that I wanted to give this box, um, this this product, a shout out, 
um, for uh, 97 99 98 they for whatever reason I don't think Donruss made made this product um, is that they have uh, one one insert in both 97 and 99 called precious metals and that sounds familiar like I'm sure there's people who are listening to this like oh oh that's is that where PMGs come from that's like that's PMGs right no no, no this isn't PMGs this is not precious metal gems but uh, the name is very similar um, the insert is called precious metals and what's what's so fascinating about this card in particular, or this insert in, in particular, is that it has three parallels, um, silver, gold, and platinum. And you're thinking, oh, okay, those, you know, those are really cool colors. The silver is still very relevant today with prism. Um, gold out of 10, obviously, that's like super sought after. There's no platinum refractors as of right now, um, although that might change, maybe with Fanatics, who knows. Um, but uh, they're all, you know, they're all pretty cool, pretty cool parallels uh, to an insert. But the crazy thing is if you look on the side of the card, it'll actually say 0.999 grams silver, 0.999 grams gold, 0.999 grams platinum. So there's actually one gram of each metal infused in whatever whatever parallel there is to the insert. So if you see, if you see the... Um, the silver, that means that there's one gram of sil silver, silver melted onto the card. For the parallel, it's one gram of gold, one gram of platinum. Um, and these, it, it, which is just, that's insane to hear. Like the actual metal is, um, is kind of molded onto the card. So if you, if you find like a 1997 um, Donruss preferred platinum metals, or, or um, I'm sorry, precious metals. Uh, Barry Sanders. That means there's one gram of platinum that's actually on the card itself. Um, I just like I love hearing stuff like that. Like it's it literally you could melt the card down and it'll have value. Like I just I I just love seeing and hearing stuff like that. Um, the print run is super uh, short printed for like a '90s box and and a '90s product altogether. Um, so in 1997, uh, the silver or gold or platinum uh, parallels, they were short printed to out of 100. Even though they're, they are not serial numbered, the print run is out of 100. And in 1999, they're even more scarce. Same parallels, but they're numbered out of 25 instead of 100. So the 99 is like super hard to find. Um, in 1997, the, the precious metals set... Uh, was 15 cards and highlighted player and some of the players that are kind of the highlights highlights of of uh of the insert were uh uh dan marino brett Favre, uh elway jerry rice barry sanders emmett smith in addition to others and 1999 they made the set a little bigger instead of 15 cards they made it 30 um and it it included some some other uh, very prominent names, including Peyton Manning, um, Steve Young, Warren Moon, and a couple others, in addition to, to the names that I mentioned from 1997. Um, like, I, I don't even think that this is that much of a bold statement, but in terms of like, you just want like the best value for the dollar, for your dollar that you're going to spend on a 90s card, this legitimately might be it. Like, not only are these cards tough to find, um, although you will see them pop up occasionally here and there on eBay, um, the the price difference between a 97 or 99 precious metals compared to, like, 
an actual PMG that you know doesn't have gold or silver or platinum in the card, but there, but it's called precious metal gems. You could find this card for maybe 10% of the cost of a PMG. And I'm not, I'm not saying that this card should be as appreciated as PMGs. Um, it's just a nice little arbitrage and it's a very collector friendly set and insert to chase. Like for example, um, within the last week or two, there was a 1999, um, Peyton Manning precious metals, uh, uh, yeah, precious metals gold out of 25 PSA eight, um, that sold for $800. Compared to if you found the 99 Precious Metal Gem Peyton Manning PSA 8, that's that's like a $10,000 card. So you're talking $800 versus $10,000. I'm not I'm not shitting on PMGs either. I'm just saying that if you can have a card like this for a fraction of the cost, um, it's at least worth looking into. And the card itself looks sweet as hell. Um, kind of a an, an interesting nuance with like in terms of condition how condition sensitive the card is if you go on psa's website and you look up the 90 if you just look up 1997 donors for precious metals you'll see the gem rate is pretty high um so it's if if, if it's a card that you buy raw and want to submit to psa more often than not the card will grade pretty well too um, and gem copies of the card uh, definitely perform better than than raw copies as well. Um, and uh, for but interestingly enough, for 1999, I think there's only like one gem. That I don't know why they got so much tougher to grade. I have no I have no idea why. Um, but really, just owning like an authentic copy of the card is like a big deal in my eyes and it'll only cost you like in the hundreds of dollars as opposed to thousands or ten or tens of thousands so if you're let's say you you know i'm sure there are singles out there 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 we have people listening to our show who collect peyton manning who collect uh all-time greats from their favorite teams like i'm sure we have merino collectors dolphins collectors Bronco collectors, whatever, um, Niners collectors, Lions collectors. Um, if you're looking for to rip the card yourself, because I'm, I'd be shocked if if all 100 of a certain player were ripped from or for pulled from a pack in '97, or all 25 were pulled from '99. Um, if you're looking for a hobby for a hobby box yourself to just to rip one yourself. Uh, 1999 for whatever reason is like impossible to find, but, uh, 19, if you're looking for a 97 box, um, it'll only cost you between like two and $300 on eBay. And there's a couple of boxes out there too. So, um, like I said, uh, there's, in addition to the, the precious metals cards, there's some other cool, you know, short printed chase cards. Um, even the base cards are kind of cool, but they, they, you know, they're not like super expensive. If you just want like the base set or something, you could, you could probably build that whole set for like a hundred bucks. Um, but it's just a very, very interesting nuance where you actually have pl like platinum, like melted into the card. You have, you have you literally have a gram, a gram of fine platinum melted into the card. So I think it's just, it's, it, it's, um, ever since I discovered the set, I, I'm not quite sure why it hasn't picked up steam um, in the football card card community, and I've talked to other like OG collectors about this, and their theory is that um, the the set wasn't uh, existent in basketball. Like, basketball never had Donner's preferred precious metals. If it did, these cards would be like PMG level potentially. 
So, um, like, like we, like we said before, basketball is king in the hobby. And, um, it's unfortunate that, that they didn't have a set, but it's, if you're, if you're a true collector, this is like, this is one of the best products I think you can go after. Um, just with how much you can get for the money that you're willing to spend. I lived through the nineties. Uh, we went to, we always went to the card shop. I didn't do a lot of purchasing, uh, at stores, you know, whatever stores were selling them at the time, retailers, but we always went to the card shop. You know, you had your guy that worked there that knew everything about everything could buy comics there. But I never owned any of these. I have a lot of stuff from the 90s, but I have literally zero of these. And to be quite honest with you, being as removed as I was for so long, a lot of this is news to me. So I'm imagining for the listeners of this show, they're like, holy shit, they were actually melting precious metals and infusing them into cards. That's a really cool, unique thing to do, which I'm imagining we don't really see today whatsoever. Um, fun, f Another thing to mention uh, in terms of the actual metal, like the the metal of the parallel being fused onto the card, there. I mean, there are other cards that exist that are like that, but the only one, the only one that comes to mind that has insane value, is 1998 Fleer Brilliance 24 karat gold. Um, that card, just like just like the precious metals gold, it had actual gold fused on fused onto the card. It's one of the shiniest cards you can probably ever find. Um, and that, like, if you find, if, if like, let's say there's a nineties player that you PC, um, who, who was in that set in that 98 Fleer Brilliant set and has a 24 karat gold, that card will probably be more ex like far more expensive than even the platinum, than even the platinum version, uh, um, of this insert in this Donner's preferred set. Um, and that's like in large part, I I agree with the OG collectors. It's because Fleer Brilliance was in basketball too. Like I I remember within the last couple of months, a '98 Fleer Brilliance, uh, 24 karat gold, um, Dirk Dirk Nowitzki had a 24 sold for like 20 grand on my slabs. So you're like, I mean, the, like I said, like the price difference in basketball is just so different compared to football. But you're talking essentially the same magnitude of card the same quality card the same characteristics of you know a card you could have for hundreds of dollars instead of tens of thousands yeah that's it's awesome and it's a cool sounding set and anybody that's looking for 90s cards of these superstar hall of fame level players um they do exist out there so do your research jesse just laid out a very cool set that i'm gonna have to do some research on myself Jesse, before we get into the last part of the show, we should do one shout out to Underdog Fantasy. Uh, they still have stuff going all the way through Wildcard re uh, Weekend. Download the Underdog app today. Use the promo code Underworld. Get $25 bonus cash for new players who deposit. Now, Jesse, obviously you're aware of the storm that has headed CeeDee Lamb's direction. Uh, Matt Kelly had talked about it. We did a Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast about it. I've done multiple posts and a YouTube video on YouTube uh, about it. What have you heard so far? Um, it seems like you're the only one that's high on CD Lamb. That's amazing. Right now. How is that possible? How am I the only guy that's high on CD Lamb? I can't answer that. I don't, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen people who, have come out and said, you know, like, I'm not saying his production was disappointing, but you would have wanted more. 
uh, like out of a second year. That's 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 the counter argument that that I've been hearing. I, I mean, and then my counter argument is always, well, what about DeAndre Hopkins? What about Stephon Diggs? What about Devonte Adams? What about? I mean, I could go on all day, guys that didn't produce in the first two years. And if you're citing target share as somebody on Twitter was saying that target share is super sticky and the most predictive of fantasy points, and we're like. Wow, that's like very outside the box to say that the more targets you get, the more fantasy points you'll put up. That's the same as saying volume is king. That's why I prefer fantasy points per target. It takes into account everything. Are you a short area guy that gets a lot of targets? Are you a stretch receiver that gets deep bombs and less targets? Is your production about the same, but per target, it equates to whatever number? That's why fantasy points per target really rolls it all up. But then I responded to him after he's like, well, give me an example of anybody who's been a producer that had low target share because targets are earned. And I don't buy into this idea that you can be a good player and also have good players around you. You know, you you can only earn targets if you're good. And it's like, well, yeah, Mike Evans this year was the wide receiver nine with a 16.4% target share. And then, of course, his response is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, that's not sticky and his touchdowns. And it's like, quit moving the goalposts. You asked for an example. I gave you an example. CeeDee Lamb still has a ceiling. We'll probably get to this. Dalton Schultz could be gone. Michael Gallup, maybe, maybe not. Torres ACL late in the year. Might get a cheap contract from Dallas. Come back. Maybe they trade Amari Cooper in season because his dead cap is not that big. And they paid Dak a lot of money. And they stupidly paid uh, Zeke Elliott when he was in fucking Cabo too much money, and so Dallas is upside down, so they've got to make some changes, and that could be another avenue, but again, CeeDee Lamb and his 21% target share for me is fine, but you're right. I probably am the only guy in defense of CeeDee Lamb right now. Uh, Yeah, just just about. I've been seeing I've been seeing a lot of hate. I've been seeing a lot of dynasty trades go down with his name where people are seemingly trading down, and and people like acknowledging it publicly and and saying okay this is this is a smart deal this is a smart deal for the lamb owner to get rid of them to get rid of him and get this value in, re- in return where um i don't know like i just some, something about trading like trading down in especially in dynasty i just i don't i can't really quite ever get behind it but it seems like a lot of people are doing exactly that uh yeah, it's, it's a weird overreaction. I mean, we always have to pick somebody in the fantasy football world to be mad at today, and apparently it's CeeDee Lamb for no other reason than the fact that he was the most targeted player on his team, and he ended up the wide receiver 22, and you know, Matt and I have an argument about air yards and how sticky they are, and you know, we talk about A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown has a very high air yard share, which is about 40%, which is quite a bit more than CeeDee Lamb, who only had about 25.5%. But when you have a 40% air yard share of a team that throws the ball the 29th in the NFL versus a team that throws it number six in the NFL and you have 24%, those numbers actually seem kind of similar in terms of ratio of total yards. But again, I I digress. I love A.J. Brown. He should be ranked over CeeDee Lamb. But A.J. Brown is only going over 100 yards in any given game in 27% of the games in his career. That's 12 out of 43. That's essentially three, three and a half a year. So when you think you're getting a guy that's absolutely going shit house on every defense he sees, remember, he's only going over 100 yards about three times a year. So it's a little different. I, I think that there's some conflating going on. I think there's some goalposts moving going on. All I'm trying to say is CeeDee Lamb is 22 years old. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons when we take his scrimmage yards in totality. 
You really shouldn't be sleeping on him. And for that reason, I feel like he's a buy, and that probably translates to the card world too. Yeah, just to kind of to to put put like the exclamation point on this topic in in terms of like from a card buying perspective. Um, I really just when I was researching CD Lamb cards, um, there aren't too many that are available at auction right now. Um, any especially like high end, but if you're looking for like a decent buy it now or best offer, um, one card that I was looking at that I actually, you know, a lot of people have been shitting on Mosaic from 2020 saying that it's overprinted. Um, the design is like, meh. I actually like the design of 2020 Mosaic and even 2021 to an extent. Um, uh, I, I, however, I do agree with the overprinting and that's kind of a turnoff of the product altogether. But listen, if you have a true gold out of 10 for a reasonable price or a black gold out of eight or, you know, whatever, like, uh, a very sought after card, a nebula, one of one, a black, um, that, that will at least make me turn like I'll, I'll be okay with that card. I will be more than okay having a mosaic out of 10 or a mosaic, you know, one of one or out of five, whatever. Um, so the one card that I was able to find that I, I didn't think was, it, I don't think it's an unreasonable deal at all right now. And there's actually two available on eBay, um, is the 2020 mosaic CD lamb, uh, black gold out of eight, uh, PSA nine. So there's actually two of them available on eBay. One is for uh, available for four hundred fifteen dollars or best offer, and the second copy I believe is like three ninety five or best offer, something like that. Um, whereas this was a card that was selling for uh, over like almost six hundred dollars uh, two or three months ago, like in October it sold for five hundred and forty dollars. So. When you can buy this card for essentially like on the way of like close to 50% of what it was worth in October for a very, very rare and should be sought after CD Lamb um, short printed rookie card. I think that's honest. If you're looking to get into something right now, uh, it's def it's not a bad option whatsoever for a fraction of the price of what you could have picked it up during the season. And in just in terms of... Um, getting into CD altogether. I have friends who are CD lamb collectors and they have some insane stuff. They have, like, I've, I've had friends who have had gold kaboom rookie CD lamb cards and, and gold vinyl prisms. And there, there's just been in some insane stuff. But if you're not just looking to make money, but if you're looking to collect, like if you truly like the player that he is and you, you are confident in his future outlook um, and he's just somebody that you want to collect, I think in this off season is like the perfect time to get into somebody like that. Like I think CD is super collectible. As much as I hate to admit it, um, Cowboys are super collectible, and I fucking hate the Cowboys. I'm sorry, Cowboy fan listeners, but I I'm sorry. I just they're insufferable. Um, but he is a Cowboy, and Cowboys are very they're very sexy for the hobby. Um, so that's, that's why deck cards will always be sought after year after year. Maybe not Zeke cause Zeke, you know, I don't know how many really good quality years he has left, but in terms of somebody who's young and still on the rise on a team like Dallas, you like, you're always going to have, they're always going to be eyeballs on them. There's always going to be attention around a player, a player like that, like a player like Dak and, and like CD, um, so this might be one of the best times to jump into collecting somebody like C.D. Lamb. I, it should be. Again, he's always going to be compared to, I think, A.J. Brown right now for those of us that play fantasy football, at least the fantasy collectors. And 
I look back at their production, and I just think like the confidence that you have in a guy like A.J. Brown, it it was not as high throughout the whole year. And I think that when you look at C.D. Lamb, where people are on him today, that that is going to go way up because on the year, they both had the same amount of 100-yard games. Like on any given day, C.D. Lamb could be the guy that's posting this monster game. He had a nine-catch, 149-yard, two-touchdown game this year. Like... That's a monster game. That is a monster performance that's in his range of outcomes. Um, That's at basically 17 yards per reception. So it's really interesting the way that we sort of play this back and forth game. Recency bias is a heavy, heavy factor. And that's why there is a discount on CeeDee Lamb right now. And assuredly, like you're saying, his collective ability, his likability is going to be very high in Dallas. And he's not even technically kind of considered the alpha. When he takes that ascension, if he does, as I've mentioned, let's say he becomes a DeAndre Hopkins level producer, or even somewhere in that range, when he's the definitive de facto, no doubt about it, alpha in Dallas, as Michael Irvin's been, as other players have been in the past, where you know that guy's name, everybody's buying the jerseys, everybody's a fan of him, the production on the field is going to drive that value up. And it's certainly... Uh, it's certainly possible when we look at the potential of players that are going to be leaving Dallas and the changes that they need to make to sustain this team in the future. So I, I love CeeDee Lamb's buying potential for anybody that's considering it. Yeah, I if you're looking for auctions, like I said, I don't see too many that are up right now um, for higher end stuff. Although by the time that this airs, who knows, maybe maybe they'll be out there. But look at um, look closely more closely at auctions this off season as opposed to bins or OBOs because um, there's there's some really nice card like some of his best cards are available on eBay readily available right now um, for buy it now or best offer but their price point is just a little bit too high what I would recommend is if you're looking to buy in on like a higher end CD lamb just watch those cards add those add those cards to your watch list don't even make an offer if it's just if it's just ludicrously overpriced in your opinion just watch the card and then see if if it if the listing ends and then maybe maybe it ended because the seller is just desperate to get rid of it so he puts it up for a seven day auction on eBay so just watch out for CD lamb auctions and in, in the off season going into 2022. I love it, man. I'm a fan of CeeDee Lamb. I think you should have confidence in him in fantasy and dynasty. Um, And I would certainly wait to see what happens with him in the future because I think odds are better than not that his situation sweetens quite a bit when, again, we look at the cap issues and Dallas's money management situation and all the guys that are going to hit free agency and the potential role that exists for him. So, Jesse, man, this was a very jam-packed episode. I mean, it's been well over an hour um, we haven't been doing so many that are in this range, but there was a lot to talk about. Scandalous hobby issues. Uh, obviously, your your pick of the week for people that want to go dig into some 90s stuff. And then, of course, another CD Lamb dichotomy once again. This is going to be an argument all offseason. I'm sure we'll talk about them a lot more. So thank you guys for tuning in again, and we will see you next time on Clear the Cash.